live. I believe we are now should be live on the interweb. We are. Hello. Um, welcome to FOA's weekly Dev Corner, where we look back on the previous episode and some of the system mechanics. And always keep figure. There we go. Um, <laughs> sorry, I always keep forgetting to mute uh, switch. Uh, um, so yeah, uh, we'll be looking back over um, episode six, um, chapter one, uh, part two, otherwise known as Sacrifice. Uh, we're joined again this evening by Nick Long, uh, who played Hunter Aram. Um, there will be some spoilers, <laughs> so if you haven't listened to it or seen it yet, um, you will discover uh, Nick and Hunter's, uh, to use a pun, grisly fate. Um, and um, we'll look at some of the <laughs> involved around that, as well as catching up with Favar and Morton, aka Harriet and Rob, and we'll get their take on recent events there since since we last spoke to them uh, a few weeks ago. So uh, we'll jump straight in and have a quick chat with uh, Nick. Um, good, it was good to have you back on Monday um, for. For the sake of the viewers, Nick was one of our testers in our, our final test phase. Um, uh, would have been a regular member of the cast, but sadly other commitments meant that he wasn't able to join us. Uh, but what was it like to be back, mate? Did you enjoy it? Yeah, it was, it was really good. It was, uh, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed myself. Um, I forgot a few of the systems early on and, you know, things like just going in and be engaging and uh, some of the other tricks that my character could do. Uh, which I regretted pretty uh, pretty quickly. <laughs> Things went pretty badly for me. Uh, but I once I got into swing of it again, I felt um, felt like a lever left. Uh, how did how did you find your whole experience? Like certainly having playing played two characters uh, to NBCs during the, the course of the evening. Was it a, a different experience? Play um, a playing a character and then playing your character's uh, grieving widow. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd spent probably the week before while we'd been going back and discussing and fleshing him out, trying to plan my character and get into his own a little bit. And then he lasted about half an hour. <laughs> so then I had to play a character that I <laughs> hadn't made any sort of plans for, uh, whose name I even forgot right at the start of the room. Um, so that was, uh, that was just good RPGs. He got them up to go on. And what about uh, the rest of you guys? Did you, was it, well, obviously it's Harriet's first encounter with, with Nick, but um, Rob, did you, was it good to have, have the bigger guy back? It's, it's always fun to have Nick back. His character's always good fun, easy to get on with, even if they do die. It's <laughs> got a little bit like, uh, sadly, Nick's got some internet problems at the moment. But yeah, so. Um, We'll crack on. Uh, Favar, um, how was your, I mean, said since we last spoke to you a couple of weeks ago, how has Favar's journey been through the, the freezing north and in, encountering the, the Aram family? Well, considering Favar is a Corinian, which is a lizard, not as well as some people's, probably. <laughs> Especially since lizards are cold blooded, so it's not, it's not going too well for her. Um, but you know, at least she's found somewhere warm, though she's very upset that the first nice person who's, you know, died. <laughs> so. 
But you, you'd met some other nice people, like Derek and Oleg and Timmy are nice people. They they, they were not food. they were nice for for uh not it's not one of those they were nice for being nice. Uh, whereas Hunter was just nice because he could be, whereas these guys were just like, oh, do they have anything? Hopefully they do, kind of thing. Well, they definitely had something they wanted, and they. Well, it. yeah, we woke up and found out that they, <laughs> <laughs> we had yeah, something that they wanted. You have no idea about um, Eric's fate. Um, nope. Nor does I, Eric. I don't think we care. Don't, I don't think any of us really care that much. Certainly <laughs> after the discussion that was had early in the morning when Eric was discovered missing, um, nobody seemed to really be upset about it. Well... Oh, we had no bonds. <laughs> there wasn't really time to be upset. We were still frozen and hungry and... We had to move, didn't we? Had to do the smart thing and uh, instead of chasing somebody across the middle of nowhere, head to the nearest part of civilization so we could survive. Yeah, and I'd already saved him twice anyway, so I don't know what he's complaining about. <laughs> yeah. He dug himself his own hole. He really did. <laughs> Sorry, we're just trying to fix Nick's connectivity issue. <laughs> but it was, it was an interesting session, the last one. Yeah, my first time playing with Nick as well. It was great. And... I hope we get to do it again because he's great to play with. There was no, there was certainly a lot of emotion involved. Certainly after Hunter's death, and the, um, well, from a GM perspective, I found your interaction with um, uh, Cleanne and the, the Aram family, and, and dealing with and dealing with their grief, um, quite poignant. Um, it's not very often that it's usually when an NPC dies or somebody gets killed. Uh, most role playing groups tend to just shrug it off as it is not one of your own. Um, could very easily have been one of your own had you all not run away and left uh, Hunter to the, to the uh, shall we say, merciless attention of the bear. Uh, or that last attack would have been yours. So it would have been your head that would have been. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I don't know what you're complaining about. So I'm happy I ran. <laughs> well, we, we didn't run away. We strategically placed ourselves. Yes, we strategically, we strategically bottled it. Um. <laughs> yeah, we strategically yeah. moved slightly further away, so the bear had to come to us. Unfortunately, somebody didn't have the same plan as us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this, 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 so from a systemic point of view, this is one of the things that um, that you are capable of doing in Birds of Alpha, that you, you can't in other people in the system. Because of our uh, locational combat system, um, as would have been noted for those that watched it, will will go on and watch it. Um, once one of the bear's legs was injured, it, would have, it certainly would have hampered his movement. Had Kada not turned his head into a a, a spiritual barbecue, then uh, you're looking at uh, then the bear would have struggled to have been able to keep up with Morton with its having its movement rate reduced. Uh, it couldn't make attacks for opportunities because without all four legs on the ground. It, it would struggle. Um, so depending on where you damage a creature, uh, it affects various elements of the creature's uh, capabilities. Taking a, if you look at a humanoid, if you take a, a man, uh, someone like Morton, you can say a two-handed greatsword or an axe or a bolo or something. 
do damage one of his arms, he can't use a two-handed weapon anymore. Um, so that level of authenticity doesn't just work with humans, it also works with all sorts of creatures, whether it's a, a quadruped or um, like a, a dragon or something with wings, you shoot one of his wings off or, or break one of its wings, you'll bring it back down to Earth, probably with a thump. Uh, which again will, will help everybody else. Hopefully, Nick will be fixed shortly. Um, but because I'd like him to be around to discuss Hunter's actual death. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, from your perspective as players, um, once we wait for Nick to fix his, his interweb, uh, how do you feel um, the actual combat went uh, with the bear? Um, and the prospect as a player of what happened to Hunter potentially happen, happening to you. How does it affect your decision-making compared to other D20 systems? How, does it, how do you feel with that, so I would say, specter of death constantly hanging over you every time you decide you want to pick a fight or a fight decides it wants to pick you? <laughs> well, for me, I mean, it's been sticking with me since the pre pre streaming games where um if this was say well fifth edition, I just go running in, hit them and just brave it out. Whereas with this I'm like I I'm not happy with this. Um maybe I'll go in, see how I do. If they hit hard, I'm gonna start running again, <laughs> kind of thing. Well I definitely don't know if the other feels the same. We both got hit and it hurt, and mm -hmm. it was a more of an oh crap. Um, if that hits us again, we don't think we're surviving. Yeah. That that they definitely hit hard, and especially when he got angry, it was like, oh no, I'm not dealing with this situation anymore. <laughs> Precisely. Can you hear us? You're live. You're moving. Okay, you guys. We're back. good. Okay, yeah, you're moving. Uh, a little jerky, but I said, and he's frozen again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, never mind. The wonders of technology. It'll be so much better once we finally get back around the table together. Um, looking forward to that. Um, there will be news that I'll share with the players before sharing it with anyone else. Um, on that front, coming up over the next couple of months, um, hopefully, due to COVID um, and a few other issues. Um, Obviously, we're forced to rely on the internet, and at times it can be a fickle beast. Um, we're, we're, we're currently discussing a combat system and our injury system. Um, we have a critical injury system, um, which ties into, as most people expect, a, a normal uh, critical-based system within a D, within D twenty, um, and obviously. Uh, much like uh, like old systems try and train like role master and stuff like that once you once you score a critical hit um then depending upon what you roll for your critical um all critical tables within fra are fully customizable so as a gm um you don't have to rely on the ones that will come in the games master's companion feel free to write your own if you don't like the end result for example as um poor old hunter and nick discovered and as some of the players have discovered during the testing period, it is possible to be killed outright uh, in a single blow. Such is such are the perils and risks and dangers of combat. Um, 
if a dragon stabs you through the chest with a big, big large claw, um, the odds are that type of injury are going to be um, fatal. If somebody buries an axe into your head, the odds are that's going to be fatal. That type, that level of risk um, adds, well, certainly from my experience from like old systems like Rollmaster and through to today and through the development of FOA, it certainly adds a level of um, tension and a level of, um, I use the word fear in, in combat, which certainly drives you to, uh, certainly drives players' decision-making processes. Even as a GM, I'm thinking, right, how would this NPC react in, in combat? Okay, so you see a lot of people moving in and out, much like the players did, um, rather than just standing there and attempting to go toe-to-toe. Um, sorry, I'm just trying to fix Nick's issue. Um, and the critical injury system, all injuries, whether it be a broken limb or a severed arm, obviously there are a few, like the kill shots, like Hunter, Hunter's smash and smooshed head or having the head cut off or that uh, arrow piercing your heart and you, you draining on your own blood um, or a number of the other major criticals to paralysis and um, uh, having an eye gouged out or losing a, losing a hand or nerve damage, all of the other various injuries that exist within uh, FOA's injury system, they're all healable. Um, it's only the kill shots and sadly um, Hunt, Nick and Hunter uh, encountered a, um, a kill shot and an extremely lucky one um, on Monday. All those injuries are healable and as we as has been touched on uh, a number of times over previous weeks, um, it's all about those checks and balances. So yeah, there, there is that risk of instant death regardless of the level of your character. Um, which hopefully, from the player perspective, from your your perspective as players, um, adds a certain element to the style of role play. Because um, do you look at combat and as you would have done in other D twenty systems, where you just go right, let's just wade in, um, knowing that the level of your character versus say the, the level of um, monster. Saying you're a level ten fighter or something, and you're fighting a kobold, um, that's always a a one hundred percent decision range between the level ten fighter and the kobold. The kobold would always lose. Whereas in FOA, there is a that small chance that the kobold will get lucky and win. It's a small chance because we, though we don't have kobolds, it's just an example. Um, mm. A lot of people will be familiar with. Um, but the kobold has the opportunity to succeed and um, win the fight. And he has to get very, very lucky. Um, in the case of the bear, the bear just got lucky. Um, it was literally the, those first couple of rounds of combat. Norton did a, a serious amount of damage. Stavar did a little bit of damage with the claws, um, almost did as much damage to Morton. Um, <coughs> Hunter laid in and did and so that that first round 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 and a half of, of combat before Norton and Stavar decided to back off. He did over over fifty percent of the bear's health. Um, but it, its right front leg and right rear leg were 
close to being incapacitated. Um, so from a mechanics point of view, had you all stayed there, you would have probably overwhelmed that bear quite quickly. Um, one of the reasons why from a balance point of view, the bear was also quite powerful in a aggressive sense. So it didn't have a vast amount of hit points for the type of creature that it was, but it was quite gnarly, the fact that it could. Powerful. Yeah, it was very it powerful. It had twice as many hit points as we thought if it, as soon as it started ranging. <laughs> Yeah, the, the 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 primal rage, and again, that's something that um, uh, FOA's monster creation guide and uh, and stuff allow you to do as a GM, rather than saying right, this is a bear, and these are the, the stats for all bears. Um, though FOA possesses very few stat blocks, um, as a GM, you can take those stat blocks and then enhance and play with them. Things like primal rage, so for example, bears and other large primal uh, uh, animals uh, and creatures. Once they take a certain amount of damage, their own primal instinct and rage takes over um, and they can rage. There's no point effectively where the origins of the berserker's primal rage comes from um, because they learned it from the animals. It, it just FWA is not a world and not a system wherein all the power and everything lies in the players. Pretty much everything, literally everything the players can do, all the monsters in the world can do, um, depending upon the GM. Obviously, you have to rationalize it. You don't go around giving a ferret primal rage. <laughs> that would be ferret. fun. Um, I want a ferret with primal rage as, now. as a GM, if you want to give your ferret or you want to give your, your dormouse or your mayfly uh, primal rage, it's totally up to you. Um, but you can tailor and tweak uh, encounters and the bear that we fought, that, that they encountered and sadly um, brought Hunter to uh, a grisly end, um, was also an infernal bear. It was a bear that had been infected by darkness. Its spirit had darkened over the years and it had, for all intents and purposes, become fallen. It had become sort of demonic in, in sense, which is why it's hide was thicker and stronger. Um, but it hadn't really bolstered its armor class. It was just a very big bear. Um, and you get to do that as a GM. You get to take stats and you've got monster creation guys. You've got the uh, build a better demon wizard, which allows you to take basic statistics and then have fun with them. Um, and the infernal bear was uh, a, basic a basic example of that. It, um, from a mechanical point of view, it had um, just uh, two infernal traits. It was for intents purposes a level four bear. It had two levels of bear and two levels of infernal, which created its final overall stats. Uh, it was very quick and very easy to create. It took less than two minutes uh, to just simply check some tables and go, right, there we go. There's my end stats for my bear. Um, and let's see how it does. Um, and from a GM perspective, though, that requires, yeah, understanding the power of your party. I'm, I'm fully aware of. The attack, uh, the attack capabilities, and the damage capabilities of all of the players. As a GM, that's a good point, uh, a good viewpoint to have. And just aware that there was a slightly higher level NPC for the party, someone that could go toe to toe with the bear. You look at the overall math of the encounter. Um, that the bear had multi, or had three attacks for all intents and purposes, two claws and a bite. 
um, it only had that one action, and that was it. And you, from uh, an encounter building point of view, um, you've got one solitary creature, and four or five players strike NPCs. That balance is already in the player's side, which is the reason why the bear hit hard. To hopefully, in some cases, um, cause damage, for example, if it managed to um, incapacitate one of Morton's arms, then if he was wielding a two-handed weapon, then you'd have to think twice about what to do next, thus creating more challenges. If you managed to, as the bear did with Thavar, uh, ripping, ripping one of Thavar's legs off um, <laughs> nearly, um, then Thavar was forced to reevaluate the situation um, and created an interesting encounter. Uh, Nick's um, Hunter's death, sadly, um, was all um, pure luck um, in the end of the day. This is, but there is that element of luck within our combat system where you can die, uh, regardless of your level, regardless of what's going on. Obviously, as you scale it up the levels and you go up to some of what we what we call our, our our epic creatures and our epic NPCs and stuff like that, then yeah, they their critical range is higher. They their critical damage range is higher, so it means they get bonuses to their critical role, um, making it more likely that they're capable of causing serious damage up to death. Um, and again, from a critical injury system point of view, um, then the size of the creature is also scaled into it. Uh, for example, if uh, Thavar or Morton were trying to stab a dragon, we just keep using dragons as an example because they kind of sit at the pinnacle or at the apex of the um, food chain, so to speak. Um, due to the sheer bulk and size of it, if you shove a um, three foot long, four foot long longsword into a dragon, you're not really going to get anything vital. So they're their critical, the what we call the large creature critical table looks very different to the basic critical tables which we use for humanoids like um, regular parrots and stuff like that. Um, so again, depending on the size of the creature, it's harder to reach its vital organs, hence it's harder to deal injuries. Doesn't mean that critical hits become ineffective um, on large creatures. For example, we'll just use We'll use a dragon as an example. If Morton did a, a crit but rolled relatively low on the injury on his injury roll, um, he would still do significant damage. He just wouldn't cause injury because very may his wound would have been significant. So, for example, you just um, that the, the the largest creature injury table has at lower levels things like double damage up to even triple damage. Um, before injuries start to take place. So you, you would resolve um, critical injuries in much the same way that you would um, in other even 20 systems. Um, sadly for the players, they're all medium sized. <laughs> they're all humanoid or medium or small, they're all humanoid. So that balance from gargantuan creatures like dragons fighting humanoids, um, the injury rate or the, the capacity for injury certainly lies with the epic creatures but they're not epic for a reason they're, they're a reason they're epic <laughs> if they're not a challenge and if they're not a risk they're not a, i i was watching a stream the other day um it was a 
a high level stream um, and it was using another D20 system. And there were four ancient red dragons on the map. And the players won relatively easy. And you go, what? <laughs> a dragon is supposed to represent the, the pinnacle of creature kind. Um, and sadly, yeah, they did. <laughs> uh, because the balance of power sits with the players. Whereas in FOA, due to the nature of our combat system, whether it be physical damage, you, know, you can damage a dragon's limbs, you can damage its legs, its tail, you, know, you can prevent it from making extra attacks. For example, had you done enough damage to our bear on Monday to say his right uh, front paw, which was the first one that Hunter hit, that you wouldn't be able to attack with it. So you instantly reduced the number of attacks the creature's got. Um, you, because you incapacitated his rear right leg, you reduced his ability to move and make attacks of opportunity. So you're getting, just having that um, locational combat system and the mechanics of the way that we've built it um, adds a tactical element to combat. So without trying to put ideas into my players' heads to let them to resolve issues, now you can see that even looking at the bear, you're right, if I target one of his front legs, then I reduce an attack. If I target his head, or i lucky enough to keep hitting it in the head, then I'm going to knock it out. Because obviously, you reduce a creature's head to a negative level of hit points or zero, it becomes unconscious. That's it. Um, my strongest body, reduce the body to zero, then the body becomes unconscious. How we resolve those maths, uh, you'll be able to, to, to find out and figure out over time. Um, and that adds tactical element to combat rather than just swinging your sword and adding color commentary. You're looking at a creature, hopefully now, you guys playing FOA, look at creatures differently rather than just a sack of hit points. There's, you, for example, you can now look at a creature and go, right, if I wound his legs, I can snipe in and out and make attacks knowing it can't attack me. And if I've got more movement than it has, for example, we go scale it up a few levels, saying you've got um, one of the talents that increases your speed. Um, if you target a creature's leg, you reduce or you reduce a creature's mobility. You can then literally snipe in, make your attacks, pop in and out, knowing that the creature can't react to your movement, uh, which adds a new element, a new tactical style of combat. Um, there are skills within the game for archers that allow them to target legs and hamstring people. The skill is called hamstring. Um, and from there, you reduce their mobility, allowing them to move around. Um, so combat in FOA is a very tactical and strategic affair. It's not, um, uh, I was making fun of the others who were running away and leaving Hunter to his doom. Um, you, can, you can do those types of, those types of things. Um, so again, building on that as players, do you feel that you're more tactically aware? This isn't a loaded question. If you don't feel you're tactically aware, just to say, Ian, hey, um, <laughs> this is how I behave in other D20 systems. Um, or do you feel that our combat system gives you a new level of awareness and a, a, a new level of um, a, a new tactical awareness in combat? So you don't, you're not, you're no longer looking at creatures as just a sack of hit points or doesn't matter what we put in front of you, whether it's a bear or a dragon, in the end of the day, the only thing that 
really differs from it is its number of hit points and how hard it hits. And I, <laughs> I, I have to rein in how strategic I'm being and want to be with Morton, because otherwise I would use all the same things I would use in real life as Mortem, and Mortem's not quite as battle-wise as that, so he that wouldn't... That, that, that's just part of role-playing, isn't it? Because like, yeah. you, you, it doesn't matter what knowledge you, have, you as a player have, your, your character certainly, certainly doesn't. doesn't have that, that type of knowledge. For example, most of us went to school or learned physics and advanced mathematics and stuff like that. Uh, Mortem is a psychotic barbarian. <laughs> he certainly didn't go to school, <laughs> um, so he's not Going to be that learn that learning, but yeah. Uh, but from a combat oriented point of view, you feel that our combat system is definitely makes you have to think that way. Enhances gameplay. Yes, you definitely have to think more on what you're using your actions for and actually use your movement wisely. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, it's a lot more economy to use your bonus action, especially for martial classes to get in and out. And whether or not you're using it to get in or to get out, um, and which person has to go in first, there's a lot more economy on how everyone has to work together to work out best. Yeah. But that's something that would, as both players and as characters, will come with time anyway. So for thought of her, it would be easier for her to go in and engage, and for me to then go in afterwards. Um, or vice versa, I go in, take the opportunity that she doesn't have to use it, she can disengage using your economy wisely. Uh, for me, I I have to learn to be a bit more tactical because I'm pretty sure Savar will probably be in that area, but um, at the moment, she's not there yet. <laughs> But um, I can tell that she's she's gonna get there. Um, but as a player, I I can definitely see how it's gonna be something I'm gonna need to do, <laughs> especially if I wanna live longer than a few more sessions. <laughs> I think we all need to become a bit more strategic, like leave the squishies behind, away yeah. from being a hit. I think the problem is is that we're all squishy. We just have varying states the of green. squishiness. <laughs> yeah, well, well, you've got more hit, you've got more uh, AC than me. At the moment, I'm okay for AC, but I mm. will go down just as quick as you at the moment. A little bit later, I might go. Might take me longer to go down. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, but it's all all dependent on the economy of what we're going to be doing. Mm -hmm. and what we need to learn. Fortunately, we have had only a few encounters with each other in combat to work in things out. So far. Uh, obviously, as with any system, um, for the sake of the viewers and stuff, Harriet's only been with us for a relatively short time, so she's still learning all the nuances of combat. Um, Rob's been with us now since the beginning of the year, um, so Rob's got a slightly better point of view as well been here since the beginning so for me i um i've become instinctively aware now that when i look at encounters whether i'm obviously as gm most 90 percent of the time all i'm doing is fighting uh players um 
sometimes they have companions and monsters and pets and other bits and pieces which which can add a tactical, a tactical element to it. Um, but yeah, I now look at someone, for example, um, during the uh, death matches, during the arena fights in the in the quarry, well, with, the, with the exception of Morton's death match, which was just a berserker and a forsaken going head to head, no flair, no no finesse whatsoever, just standing toe to toe until what's berserker had an advantage. Yes, <laughs> uh, quite um, a big advantage. Yeah, <laughs> um, but certainly with Davar's fights and like I say your first fight and um, and some of the other scrapes you got yourself into, um, there was that element of tactical awareness. They were targeting legs and arms, um, going for shield shield arms, trying to reduce reduce people's Davar's uh, uh, armor clasps, a breastplate and a shield, um, and trying to whittle your opponent down as opposed to just swinging away constantly, adding a little bit of color commentary and your actions not having a um, an effect on the combat other than because in other D20 systems, you are at 100% efficiency on one hit point. Whereas in FOA, because of the nature of our system, you go from max hit points to one hit point. The odds are you're going to have lost the use of something, whether it's your arms or your legs or you're even unconscious because you've taken so much damage to your body or your head um going from max to one you know you're no longer going to be at 100 percent efficiency so you so that makes the most important person in your entire party your healer to try and make uh, trying to keep that uh, levels of efficiency up, up and going fortunately we only have one healer we, we need we should have employed more mm, probably one each. Yeah. That's what it should have been. One <laughs> each. One each. No. Obviously, healing scalable at the moment because uh, you're as characters, you're only level one. Um, and hopefully, we will get Nick back shortly. Because um, uh, you're all level one, obviously, we've got a limited amount of healing. But uh, healing in FOA isn't just limited to um, uh, acolyte type classes, uh, it's also reliant on herbal remedies and poultices and silver bombs and other types of things that can like kill just location location wise and healing potions and other bits of injuries much like the rogues in, in FOA uh, are designed to be more than they are in other d20 systems where they're just all about their sneak attack damage um in FOA it's a lot more difficult to perform a sneak attack the situations are there but all the rogue classes were built with that specific intention to make them more versatile and give them a lot more utility because um, I didn't want any of the classes to be one-dimensional. Okay, um, we've got Davar and Morton, which are two warriors, but they can do a lot more than just swing a sword They're, because of our combat system and the way it works. You can interact. Um, you can even work together if you hold your actions and they are initiative and um, action system works uh, differently to other D20 systems. Um, you can attack at the same time. You can um, actually plot um, between between uh, turns and stuff what you what you want to do. And you've also got that, as discussed earlier, that tactical element to combat um, and how you um, sorry how you 
deal with a creature and the situation in front of you. Um, that's what I wanted. And one day's encounter with the bear was a fine example of that. You damaged its one of its uh, legs, preventing it, reducing its mobility, preventing it from making its opportunities to dance in and out. Because um, it was a rear leg, you reduce its mobility as opposed to reducing number, its number of attacks. Um, it got a lucky blow in and hopefully we'll get Nick back very shortly and that will require me to send a message. So um, you, uh, how do you guys feel on, on that explanation of how combat works in a fight? Sounds um, about right. <laughs> yeah, I think there there will be a lot more work between Mortem and Thava being the combat based class. Mm. Especially after this. Especially yeah. after this. I think we both figured out that um, we probably need to work more together than just giving general directions. Like, if anything, this has actually taught us that we need to actually work together rather than try and do it on our own and have yeah. some poor random sod die. <laughs> or, or we just get poor poor NPC, poor NPC every week. Come along with us, <laughs> use them as bait. <laughs> and if they die, they die. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, well, that's yeah, one tactic. <laughs> yeah, it's a distraction tactic, really. Yeah, true, true. Have a 100% kill rate with our guests at the moment. Um, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. We'll, we'll try next time. Um, <laughs> as things go along. Yeah, great. That fight was interesting. Same I think least. we both learned a lot. We learned a bear can hurt a lot. Yes, yeah. definitely. Certainly. Uh, the realization um, of, oh crap, it hit me. Oh crap, if it hits the little thing, the, the our lovely healer, that, she's dead. Yeah. <laughs> she's not going to survive that. I was lucky. It hit me in the chest. If it hit me in the, in an arm or a leg mm -hmm. or the head, I'd probably not be here. I'd be dead. <laughs> Okay, so um, we're going to take a quick pause from talking at the moment to try and resolve uh, Nick's issues. Um, so you guys uh, interact with people on chat for a second whilst uh, try and fix Nick's connectivity issue. Uh, I should go on Twitch, shouldn't I? <laughs> uh, Nick, Nick, you're muted. That's one of the reasons why we can't hear you. Oh. That might be the solution. Yeah, and yeah, okay, so Nick logged out, which kind of threw all of our. Oh no, his <laughs> Wi Fi logged him out. His Wi Fi logged him out. So, right, that's Kicked one of the problems out. with screen grabbing from Discord. So, what we'll do, we'll take a quick break and be back in couple of minutes uh, it's usually enough for me to buy everything together whilst we fix Nick's oh no he's back it's on his phone I think yeah can you guys hear me now we yeah can. I can hear you yes <laughs> sweet now uh, question right. is can, can can he be hear, heard on on stream good question <laughs> Thank you. 
It's easy enough to fix. I will... Yes, they can. They can yes. hear him. Yes. Okay, super. Right. So, yeah, uh, apologies for that. Uh, for all mixed up <laughs> and connectivity <laughs> issues. And finally, he's back. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, Nick, um, whilst you've been battling the interwebs, uh, we've been discussing um, the tactical element to combat in FOA, as well as obviously its dire consequences. Um, yeah. As, as someone throughout your testing career played martial classes, uh, how do you how do you feel? That's one of the questions they asked the other guy. Do you feel FOA's combat system gives you a, a more tactical awareness in the way that you approach fights, um, makes you think a little bit more, um, as well as that element of fear and death and destruction? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, definitely, definitely after after Monday. Um, but even you know, in general, even when it's maybe not as uh, results for character, um, you you do find that you you have to be thinking about the situation. So if you know, like you know, your left arm is holding a shield and the health's got really really low on it, like what are you going to do about it? Um, how are you going to address it? You're going to have to try and disengage and maybe try and heal yourself up, even if the rest of your health is good. You know, you could lose that arm, and that's going to have a massive consequence throughout the rest of the campaign, or you know, at least it could be damaged for a while. And even stuff like engaging. So, right at the start of the fight with Hunter, I just completely forgot about engaging because uh, I hadn't been playing for a while. So I just run in, and first thing I do is get an attack of opportunity. And as soon as that happened, it's like, yep, could have engaged. It's like exactly what my character should have done. Um, <laughs> so yeah, you get it, and and you get punished for it, which is. Quite good in a way. I mean, teaches you a lesson. Um, yeah, that's, that's, assuming you survived to remember it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's more well, you did remember a, it. It was a bit late. That's yeah. More, that's more down to a mean and vicious DM than it, uh, it is <laughs> the system. Um, could have just let you get away with it, but no. Um, yeah. Um, and uh, what about Hunter's, Hunter's actual death? How did you feel about that? Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to say I liked it. <laughs> uh, but I did. I thought it was it was quite good, you know, narratively speaking. And even as a you know someone who's played sort of five E and stuff for a couple of years now, none of my characters have ever died. Died, you know. I've, I've been knocked down to zero hit points and brought back up again and stuff like that. But I've never had that um, that character death, and, and none of the campaigns have really had any of those character deaths. Like it's always been pretty um, pretty friendly, pretty forgiving. Um, and although Hunter was a character had only been using for a week or you know, think about for a week or so, there's definitely that sort of sense of loss you get. Um, and you know it's permanent as well. Like, you know, you're not getting up from that. Um, it was a real shame, but I think actually in terms of what it's done for the story and at that point in the story as well, it's actually quite a, uh, been quite a useful sort of plot tool. Yeah, yeah, the same as um, something that we'll tell the viewers, but not, not the players. Uh, about will be quite circumstantial about it. It did create a discussion between me and Nick about where the Aram family, where Cleanne and uh, Lena and Vanna go from here and what they do. Um, so yeah, you're um, just because Hunter's dead, you won't. It's not, it, it certainly won't be the last that we we see of uh, of Nick. Um, we'll certainly have him back um, either in a different form or as another member of the the Aram family. We don't know. Um, that will be something that the players may discover further down the line. Um, on the, the uh, topic of death, obviously, 
losing your character specifically to once once you're at a certain level, for example, if the party were slightly higher level and Kato knew the revivify spell, then it wouldn't have been as dramatic. Although having your head removed, um, you can't be revivified. It requires something else. But much like other D20 systems, um, is no real different in that way. Um, once you reach a certain level in your um, your divine casters, your clerics, or your in, in our system, our acolyte uh, classes are capable of bringing people back from the dead, then that element of fear of death will reside. Um, but in FOA, even death can be permanent. We have a resurrection system that is designed so that there is a potential, depending on um, what has happened to the player and how they roll. Uh, whenever you brought back from the dead, there's a chance that your spirit, your soul, isn't strong enough to pierce the veil and return to the land of the living. Um, so, but again, as you scale up to the levels, we take it from uh, all our characters level one. It's no different than any other D20 system. A level one, when you die, you're dead. It's that simple. Um, no different in FOA, it's just that as you go up to the levels, that um, risk factor, as, as is at level one, it shrinks, but much, much slower. Um, so that even when you reach level 20, there is still that risk factor. Um, because even though, for example, you're level 20, all our players are level 20, you can cast uh, true resurrection, you can bring people back from the dead, but then have to make resurrection rolls and things like that. It always works, etc. But at level 20, there are lots of things in the lots of things at that epic level of the game capable of devouring your soul, reducing you to atoms, sending you to different worlds, and you drowning with no one around and stuff like that. So there's still that element of risk and death um, involved in the system. So it's not uh, like other D20 systems where you got a lot of risk at low level, like zero risk at high level. We've, we've, uh, our combat system, everything's designed to try and make that risk factor as linear as possible so that regardless of what level your party is as a, G as a GM, um, as players, there's still that level of risk. So there's still that level of tension and drama to every time they start a fight. Um, so it doesn't matter what they're starting fights with, whether it's a bear or an infernal bear or a dragon, um, there's still that risk factor, regardless of the level of the characters. Um, in fact, the dragon <laughs> example is more likely to kill than the bear, but that we said that level of of risk um, and something I've said to the players and made clear throughout FOA for all of its um, versions is. Um, are your acts truly heroic if there's no risk? That's something I've asked others, so I'm going to ask um, Favar and Mortem and Nick, are your actions truly heroic if there are no risks? No. I don't think there is. If, if, no, if you're not either. fearing for your life and your life's not on the line, then how heroic can it really be? And, and Harriet? Depends on the situation. <laughs> Depends on the situation. 
Yeah, I mean, I still think doctors are heroes and they don't, you know, risk their lives, so. Well, like I said, you you look at the the recent pandemic, doctors very much were at risk, but we're talking about a combat-oriented system here at the moment. Are your actions truly heroic if there's no risk to it? In that case, again, depends on the situation, I guess, but mostly yes. (laughs) Survival is important too. <laughs> you need to survive it. At that, that point, one, that was one of the underlying premises for um, uh, FOA. Uh, certainly, when building its combat system, I wanted to try and, as I say, make that um, risk factor, that element of tension, so that when you go into the fights, you're constantly thinking you, you've got that little specter of death floating around behind your shoulder. And eventually, you get to a point where. Um, you get used to it. You know he's there. Um, and as you get through the levels, you kind of get used to him. And eventually, you know, one day you and Death will have a discussion. Um, and in other systems, in other D20 systems, I never felt that. I certainly do now. Obviously, I've got NPCs that I take great pride in, and I, I consider like my own individual characters. And during this campaign, some of them have got killed. Um, Garrick was an example. You met him a couple of weeks ago. Um, in FOA's very first campaign, players got him killed. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> that's the way it works. Um, that's life. And it's, it, it's the same thing. Adventuring should be risky. It should be um, thrilling and entertaining. And hopefully our combat system helps push us in that direction so that fights are entertaining. Certainly watching back and listening back to um, the fight with the bear, entertaining. Uh, listening, uh, Watching and listening and during editing to Morton's deathmatch, entertaining. So all of the fights you've had so far, there's all been that level of entertainment, they've all been driven by the system, um, as opposed to requiring because not everyone can, well, from my perspective as a GM, not everybody um, interacts with combat. A lot of people just see it as a mechanic. It doesn't really tell a story. And hopefully, I don't know, we'll pass the question over to you guys. Do you feel, um, as you're working through the system in, in combat, that you're telling a story with your actions and your dice rolls start to tell a story as well? Well, it certainly leads my character down certain roads. <laughs> Such as? Expand? Well, when my leg got broken, I went, okay, I've got to leave now. Whereas if it hadn't been broken, I probably would have stayed. Yeah, there's, there, there is that closeness to if, if you don't survive, you're probably an idiot. If you survive, you're a hero. It, it, it's dependent on the survivability of the situation but if it wasn't dangerous it wouldn't be heroic but if you die you're a fool because you died doing it yeah and what about you nick yeah i mean um it definitely makes puts a lot more on the line doesn't it it makes you react to what's going on uh in the fight um you know i sort of touched on before in the game you could have a situation where like your arm or your leg is right down to zero HP, but you're looking all right. Um, if it's 5B or another system, that's fine. As long as my, my, the headline numbers are right, I don't have to worry about anything, but 
as soon as you you bring that into the, the sort of locational damage, even if you're looking okay, you're going to have to think about how you're approaching the situation and how you're reacting to the, the stuff you're taking, the damage you've taken. Um, yeah, so cer certainly forces you into that sort of uh, being smart and taking risks or taking, like, you know, deciding not to take a risk sometimes. Calculated risks. Yeah, calculated risks. That's, that's what I was looking for. You know, whereas 5e is almost like. One of the things we said whilst you were fixing it on unit systems, like FOA's combat system, um, whereas in other systems, something you just touched on there is that um, it doesn't matter whether you're on maximum hit points or one hit point in other G20 systems, uh, you are at 100% efficiency. Yeah. Whereas in FOA, like I said, as you just touched upon, um, if you go from max to one, somewhere along that line, you're going to lose something. You're going to lose an arm or a leg or the ability to use it at least um, and your efficiency starts to dwindle with with the amount of damage that you take which to use our buzzword um authenticity um that will keep me all happy for the week um, <laughs> authentic, um and no different to a fight you get into a fight in the real world um you get a couple of broken ribs or somebody breaks one of your arms or dislocate a shoulder or something you're no longer going to be as efficient in that fight as you as you were when before it started. Unless you're very, very angry. Yeah. <laughs> <you're very> angry. <laughs> so, um, obviously, now that we've blathered on far too long um, on the mechanics of the combat system, we don't want to get onto like, some of your characters and stuff like that. Um, obviously, um, with Nick here, um, we'll go with Nick. Um, <laughs> though Hunter was quite short-lived, um, from a, like I say, from a, we, we were trying to discuss before your, your internet problems kicked in, how did you feel um, about the whole experience, like transitioning from Hunter to Cleanne, and um, from my perspective, I haven't watched it, but I thought the second half of the episode was really, really good. The, um, how the Aran family dealt with it and how the players were kind of tiptoeing around the grief that was taking place within within the farm. Um, and obviously we've dealt with your death. Um, how did you feel about the events that followed? Yeah, it felt, it felt good. I think the fact that I hadn't thought too much about the family outside the role they're going to have in Hunter's life and, you know, making him who he was and where he is now um it maybe maybe made things a little bit more genuine in a way you know because it hadn't been planned it wasn't like hunter's going to get killed off and the next half yeah. i'm going to be the wife it's like that that grief you know obviously i'm not genuinely upset and hurt and crying about it like i just love lost a, a loved one but there's that element of like shock it's like right oh what what do i do now and i guess that's <laughs> that's you know that is like a, a sort of genuine emotion that happens in that um so yeah it felt it felt weird you know initially um i'm never going to be able to do a convincing female voice um <laughs> <laughs> i think that's uh that's that but then you know you can still um portray the sort of emotions and the shock and surprise and moving on um and it was yeah pretty made up on the fly but i, I think that does like i said sort of add an element of genuine sort of authenticity to use the word 
it adds that shock. It adds that, what am I going to do now? Because I'm thinking, what am I going to do now? Uh, which actually is probably what the character is going to be thinking to some extent as well. Like, what, what do I, what happens? <laughs> yeah, and, uh, it, it, and, and I'll back Nick's comments up. It certainly wasn't planned. Because um, <laughs> um, the players were attest to at the break and said, well, well, that didn't really go to plan. Um, <laughs> the plan was you kill the bear, take the kid and go back. But um, such are the risks of being an adventurer. And that goes back to our, how our combat system works. Uh, you step outside your front door and um, you are at risk. Um, and sadly, from a story point of view, Hunter paid the ultimate price um, to rescue his kids from uh, Infernal Bear. Um, get much more heroic than that. <laughs> no, no, um, really. So, like I said, um, and what about you as players, um, Baba and Morton? How did you feel about that? second part the, the tiptoeing um well uh there was only one bit which really caught me out um which was when we kept bringing his body inside and then out again and stuff and i'm aware that like it's like a grieving wife and stuff but there was a part of my mind that was just going should keep him outside it's cold out there it means it won't rot why are you keeping it next to the fire what's going on <laughs> but that that was all player driven like nothing to do with me <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that was yeah. me making up as i went along <laughs> yeah. i think we all were yeah, that's what i've been doing with the system since day one anyway uh what about <laughs> you rob how did how did you feel and how did um I uh, thought we traded well. Because there'd be certain um, shift and change in, in behaviour. Well, he he was respectful in his own way. I don't know how respectful that's going to continue as he starts <laughs> going down the rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. That might completely change, but there he was because he kind of knew that it, his survival kind of depended on the, the rest of that household still having goodwill towards us. Maybe, maybe down in the future when we don't have to deal with the family as well as the one that's just died. If it's just the ones we're dealing with without seeing their family, I think <laughs> that's less of an issue. <laughs> okay, so so Morton's a bit of a bit of a family man, even even with his background. Uh, uh no, he's he's just respectful because it's there, right there. It's the person that they relied on was kind of not there anymore. Of oh fuck, that's screwed. Oh well, <laughs> not my problem. I'm leaving <laughs> oh, out well. the front door, and I don't have to deal with it now. Not my problem. Okay, cool. Um, did you from again having? Well, I know I'm definitely not turning to him to. Uh... <laughs> What was that, Harry? You're not turning him to what? For what? For anything to do with my death. <laughs> okay. well, hopefully none of you will die, but as um, discovered, uh, it now well and truly does lie in the hands of the dice gods. Um, the way FOA's combat system works, um, it's very difficult for the GM to fudge <laughs> death. Obviously, I could have 
because it said it was a roll 20 they could have just gone oh wasn't it okay um it was a it's a kill shot on Nick. Do I really want to kill off one of the like an NPC or a, a guest and stuff like that? But the dice tell the story. Um, well, it certainly helped tell the story. Um, and sadly for you, Nick, um, <laughs> the dice didn't the, the, the dice didn't want Hunter around anymore. No, they didn't. Well, no, technically, <laughs> three hundred gold. You could have. You were too nice. Yeah, you could have popped him in a wagon, drove, driven him off to the the, the nearest uh, cathedral and. Potentially paid to have him brought back. <laughs> Where are we going to get three hundred gold a... from? They <laughs> said they gave you a hundred, but there was that family certainly had a lot more. <laughs> there was, there was, there's quite a bit more. Uh, there's a couple of hundred more gold and some other healing potions. Yeah. Uh, Classic guys turning it. around. Yeah, I did want to play it sort of slightly genuine in the fact that. That was still going to be a need for the family, you know. If I give yeah. him all the money and the, the healing stuff, uh, you know, even though in terms of the story and everything, you guys just go on and, and that that's all left there. It sort of still feels like you want to play that role quite um, true and not just <laughs> hang your kids out to dry. <laughs> it's fine. You gave the money to the person who can't doesn't know how to count, so it's fine. Everyone's going to get their equal share, kind of, <laughs> maybe. Oh God! <laughs> I don't know what a, a quarter of a hundred is. Mortem has no idea. So right. right. sure to the, the person who we'll split a fund. <laughs> yeah. Turn to the person who helped you make your wonderful leather kilt. <laughs> yes, I could. <laughs> Not that wonderful, is <laughs> it? Does the job. Uh, I, I thought it was a really, really good theme. Something that um, hopefully that you know, I'll, I'll get transcribed um, and passed on to a, a decent artist was uh, Hunter's funeral, uh, with all of you standing around the grave, um, all saying your various bits and pieces um, in different languages to try and pop yourself off without actually having to come up with something. <laughs> that, that's make, make sure you've got like in the background his soul being pulled away by a really dark figure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. His fraud uh, hunter was unfortunate enough to die in the presence of possibly the most evil non-sect, because they're not a sect, <laughs> um, <laughs> in the world, and had his soul sent off to the eternal void of Darakos. Um, sorry, mate. Uh, that's not my fault. You can blame Amber for that one. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I didn't even fully appreciate that was happening at the time until afterwards when we were, we were chatting about it after the game. I was like, oh, that's, that's what's happening, is it? <laughs> but then, you know, I don't suppose anyone present would have noticed it or seen it happen. No. So, well, it's not evil. Yeah. It's fine. There's no such thing. Nope. <laughs> well, there is technically one. Subjective, is it? <laughs> yeah, evil is very subjective and technically from like a traditional uh, point of view. There, there very much is one source of pure evil in the universe and uh, Amber serves him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, but for, again, from subjectively from so this, uh, something that I'm, I've been working on is developing a, a, a special dev corner for the, um, the background source for the FOA universe and how um, Danahara, the great spirit and Darakos um, exist within the universe and how they affect it and how the gods come to be and 
how the dog is working. So you, so you can see the the structure of the universe. Uh, it's something that is that exists within the campaign guide. Um, but to give viewers and other potential GMs uh, uh, insight into it is something I'm working on. So that, as mentioned uh, last week, um, the gods of Athelene are tied to this world. So if they uh, travel somewhere else, if you were a disciple of Saloon, then Saloon's influence or ability to grant your prayers is greatly diminished. Obviously, there are uh, two powers, Barakos and Zahar, the Great Spirit, and the darkness um, that exists throughout the universe. So Amber can go world hopping without too much of a problem. Oh, um, I should be fine. <laughs> that's kind of a tangent. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 so we're working on that from a DM point of view. And we're working on, obviously, um, a few refinements, uh, probably between now and release. Um, so trying to do as much with Nick as possible now because he was missing for most of it. Um, obviously, we want you to come back, mate. Um, so we'll, we'll continue those discussions um, and build upon what, what was going on. Um, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, it was really good to have you back. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. What, what, would, what would you like to see FOA do between now and going forward in the next time you see it? So, uh, uh, what, what what are your aspirations for our players? Um, which one do you want me to kill? <laughs> well, I, none of them until the end of the stream when I found out that my soul had been taken away. And <laughs> been further, so Amber then, okay, one, cool. <laughs> one real answer to that in hindsight. The one that seemed like a really friendly, genuine healer. I just didn't realize that was the price you pay for having a, <laughs> a bit of healing. Um, but I think what what I'm looking forward to well, watching and listening to is is the characters getting out into the world a little bit more, um, and then seeing how they're sort of interacting with a, a well a changing world, and it's almost like that. Um, although the characters are you know they're not newborns, so they've, they've they've been in the world for a bit, but actually to sort of get into that world and start growing, um, obviously there's the message I've got to get out about the attacks and what's going on. So it's going to be looking forward to seeing how that pans out, how they're going to get people to believe them, because like, you're never just going to believe a bunch of four prisoners turning up saying, yeah, we got attacked by demons and that's how we escaped out of prison. <laughs> Sound, of course, <laughs> while you're calling the police. Uh, <laughs> or <Yeah>. the, <laughs> the equivalent. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing how that pans out and then what the implications of all of that are in the, the wider world. Is. You can see there's, there's a lot to come um and yeah, hoping that they all actually survive make it to the end or one or two of them make that... it to like episode 10 um <laughs> <laughs> well eric's already gone so yeah but he may be he may not um he may <laughs> make a worm his way out vendiferous return um or he may decide that these bunch of assholes left me for dead <laughs> Go yourself, and um, we'll see Mike as some, a different character. But it's, it's it's totally in Mike's hands. Um, obviously, like from a GM point of view, um, you don't want to write him off. But the whole abduction, or Eric's whole abduction, was supposed to be a like a side plot type thing. Um, knowing that Neil wasn't going to be available the next week as a GM, all right, I'll take. Uh, Eric, because he was an idiot, and 
uh, pretty much wrote in big pink neon signs above his head, I'm a sorcerer. Um, might take him away for a week. The party may potentially go after him. Um, and they didn't. Um, so, right, half the DM, I have to go, right, okay. Right, the, party, the, the party just left him. Um, right, how do I deal with that? So, um, obviously, you don't want to write a character off. And obviously, from a developer and a GM's point of view, I really wanted uh, a sorcerer in the campaign because we have to show off sorcery and how it works. Um, one person. Then you guys abandoned it. <laughs> you gave and, it to the wrong person. Um, what exactly did you expect? <laughs> I, I, I left it as an uh, open invitation for anyone to pick, and um, Mike stepped forward first, and everyone said, "All right, go for it, Mike. You can. It's all up to you." So, totally down to you as a party, and nothing to do with me. I wasn't involved in that decision-making process. <laughs> well, well, it is maybe a couple of our fault. A couple of us has played with him, um, in a for rather near more RP mm-hmm. situations. And we kind of know what his characters end up being a bit more like. We should have probably warned you. Well, anyway, so we're, 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 hopefully, uh, Mike will be feeling, uh, Eric, Mike Strick, Eric will be feeling much better next week. Um, and be able to yeah. join us and we can discover his fate. And um, We all want to discover his fate. <laughs> and, and find out um, what happens to him and where he goes next. Um, otherwise, outside of that, if Mike, as a player, decides that um, Eric's situation is untenable and um, then obviously he has a backup character that we need to be able to weave into the narrative but first we'll discover what happens with Eric one of the good things about the entire process of the prologue from a GM point of view is we spent a lot of time doing individual work uh, we could even run Eric's story for a number of weeks and just cut scenes from one to the other as we go what the players are doing what Eric's doing um, and if Eric is to return, then we can slowly merge those cutscenes and bring everyone back to one point in the storyline, um, as long as the narrative fits it. Um, I'm very much of the opinion that as a GM, it should all be story-driven. Um, so if Eric's abduction um, is permanent, then Eric's mine um, as a, an NPC. Um, and he'll certainly make an appearance further on down the line. <laughs> Maybe with an axe to grind. Um, who knows? He would have done the same to us. It's fine. He yeah, would. Definitely. Yeah. I ducked Morton. I think we would have had the same situation. Um, but as I said, um, now we've got uh, uh, Thabar and Morton here something that Neil brought up last week, he was certainly MVP for the previous two weeks, having saved your life during the, uh, your death, Morton's life during the death match. He was responsible for the cave-in, which effectively, even though he wasn't quite where he intended. Um, but none of us know this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it works. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so he didn't get <laughs> or recognition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll see. Pretty much. Uh, yeah. Uh, we've been going now for over an hour or so. Um, great to have you with us, Nick. Um, albeit segmentedly due to uh, connectivity issues, um, we will see him again. Um, hopefully, yeah, definitely. Uh, in a, a couple of guises, um, it'd be good to have you back as uh, a proper NPC that could maybe stick around for a couple of weeks. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, more than one episode, yeah. <laughs> more, than, more than half an episode. Um, but yeah, I think some uh, of our uh, viewers will like that. From a stream point of view, you will be seeing over the, the coming weeks and months and stuff like that as we uh, progress through the story. Uh, a lot, a number of our other testers as well. So, you know, um, a number of invites are out. So, most people, uh, those that have commitments that are, are capable of doing so, that were involved in the FOA's process from day one, been invited because it was a collaborative point thing. So, I've been responsible for pretty much writing FOA um, without the likes of Morton and without the likes of Rob and Nick and Harriet and like certainly McNeil and Amber and Ruby and uh, all the everyone else along the lines, Franska and everyone that's been involved in FMA from day one, wouldn't be where we are today. It would just be a load of nonsense scribbled on a piece of paper to keep my mind occupied in the early hours of the morning when I'm bored. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of where we are. So yeah, great having you here. Um, from a few last minute announcements point of view. Um, there will be some major announcements next week, including the vote for our Kickstarter, et cetera. Um, uh, like I said, we're just doing some last minute refining of your funky and fun rewards, because at the end of the day, if anyone kind of uh, follow us and um, support our Kickstarter, which is all designed for just making the release of FOA that much better so we can offer you as um, the future players and GMs and stuff more content um, and fancier pictures and um, other things like nice fancy GM streams and virtual GM screens and um, lots of things that can make your enjoyment of the game better. Um, they were people who were releasing quite happily the Kickstarter is designed to just add the sheen gloss to it. Um, as well as announcements on when the official launch date is um, and um, a few other bits and pieces along the way. Um, like, when will Nick come back? Um, <laughs> will, will, we, will, will, we, will we ever see Hunter, Hunter again? Sending, oh, a soul, send, sending a soul to the eternal voids doesn't mean it stays there. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna have a struggle Kato, what have you done? Though, he? He's gonna have a struggle fitting in with half a head. Yeah. <laughs> you come back but as no, a bear. Just, so, <laughs> um, looking forward to next week. Uh, certainly, from a GM point of view, I've spent a, some uh, for my routine. My Tuesdays are spent reviewing uh, as well as editing stuff and reviewing the previous session and preparing for. Um, the next week um and i'm really looking forward to what happens next and how the party are going to um explain themselves um they, they no longer look like prisoners uh what they were doing at the mines and um what they're gonna do are they gonna tell anyone or they're not gonna tell anyone um are they just gonna try and slip quietly over the river and across the border to athlene and leave talan and whatever may have been going on in the manax forest to its fate um, or are they going to go back, as Neil suggested last week, and murder the people in the, the first farm that they meet and set up a farm and do some Star Valley or Stardew Valley ship, uh, fishing? Um, we don't know. <laughs> but um, something we will discover next week. So thanks for everyone for being with us. Um, thanks for certainly Gemma. Um, 
who've been around have been very active in chat and uh, you can see Veracross back again. And uh, those people who raided in with uh, uh, one of the other streams, I just can't pronounce it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they're a good bunch of guys. So um, I will just get it for you. Uh, yeah. Uh, Voyo Voda Toatech. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for those guys for reading in. Um, it's great, great to see you. I uh, hope everybody enjoyed it. And we'll see you all Monday to discover what happens next in Fires of Athens, A Shadow Awakens. Cheerio, bye, folks. Cheers.